warm welcome to you all. Hope you'll thoroughly enjoy our program. Britannia, the very British podcast about very British movies with just a hint of professionalism. Hi, Scott here, as usual, with me over Skype is Stephen. Good morning. Morning, Matt. How are you doing? Very well. Looking forward to this one immensely. Yeah. Uh, uh, an old favourite. I'm, I'm assuming it's a, it's a dear old favourite to yourself, isn't it, this one? Yeah, just like you, it is a, a dear old favourite, um, and um, it's been, you know, it's one of the original ones I put right at the start of my list when I was doing that, um, you know, quadruple um, <laughs> lists of a dozen movies that I kept firing at you. Um, it was on, it was on there early, and um, yeah, it just hits home as far as just being a, a, a film that I wanted us to cover um, because of. of where it sits for us, I know both of yeah. us within um, British cinema and um, adolescence and and such like, and um, it just shows that not every every awkward teen romance um, of the eighties was from John Hughes. Just about to say that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Any any self-respecting podcast about British movies, which we like to think we are. Should we include, do, nobody else does. Yeah, no, should include this. I mean, I'm not afraid to say that, you know, when you talk about British movies, you, you think of Brief Encounter or, you know, Lawrence of Arabia and all that. It's up there with those, for God's sake, you know. A lot of people may disagree, but we think it's it's worthy of inclusion. It's number 30 on the BFI's top 100 British movies, for God's sake. So I think there's got a lot of fans. We've had a lot of feedback, a lot of response from from listeners when they heard we were doing this, and it's all been positive. So oh, certainly God. looking forward to it. Should we do it? Yes. Okay, here's the trailer. Now, this is really good. I'm really enjoying myself. Good. I'm glad we bumped into each other. Huh. Do you want to dance? It's really good. You just lie flat down and dance. I'll show you what I mean. I'll, I'll start it off and you just join in when you feel confident enough. What I'm looking for? A goal scorer. And that requires two basic skills. Ball control, shooting accuracy, and the ability to read the game. <laughs> Look, this is a football trial, dear. Maybe Miss McAlpine's up to something with a hockey team. I don't know. But this here is football. 
Would you like to come out with me? Okay. I believe you're short of a date. She's lovely. We went into the park. She meets me. We'll see her tomorrow. Did you kiss her? Gregory's Girl, directed by Bill Forsyth, released in the UK 23rd of April 1981, starring John Gordon Sinclair and Dee Hepburn. Over to you for the synopsis, my friend. Right here. In this warm Scottish coming-of-age film, gangly teen Gregory and his schoolmates are starting to find out about girls. He fancies Dorothy, not least because she has got on the football team and is a better player than him. He finally asks her out, but it's... Obviously, the females in control of matters here, <laughs> and that very much includes Gregory's younger sister. That sums <coughs> it up nicely. Um, yeah. I saw this when it first came out. Now, this sits quite well with me, like you said about briefly mentioning just at the top of the show there about our sort of memories and when we encountered it, because this came out in 1981. I was 12 years old. It just sort of, I, my initial impression of the movie when I first saw it, I thought, is this what I've got coming up, you know, in the next <laughs> two or three years? Is this what my life's going to be? Is it going to be this teen angst? Yes, it bloody was, you know, <laughs> I'm sure it was for most of us. You mean it stopped being, uh, <laughs> stopped being that way now, has it? <laughs> Eventually, after 40-odd years, it's, <laughs> I finally, you know, learned to live with it. Um the thing that struck me, I mean, I remember one of my fondest memories. I watched this with my brother, or one of my brothers, who who isn't particularly a great movie watcher. You know, he, he would never actually sit and watch a movie with me. You know, one of the other ones would have done, but this particular one never did. So it's always struck home with me that I actually watched it with my brother Ian. And we just laughed together at the same things. And the thing that I always remember him saying, he went, this is really adult for a kid's movie. And I said, it's not a kid's movie. But, but what fascinated him was how that there's there's two lots of kids in this. I'm, bear with me where I'm going here. There's two lots of kids in this. There are some that are incredibly mature and there are some that are incredibly immature. And the thing that fascinated my brother was Gregory's interaction with the football teacher and with his father, how he actually talks to those two adults. And that's always stuck with me. And I was laughing out loud watching this last night, especially at those two points, the conversation that Gregory has with adults. He's a man-child. He's a gangly man-child. I'm going to let you jump in because I could go on forever. I've got lots of bits I need to talk to you about this film. No, it's it's a quotable film anyway. I mean, mm. we've already done it before we started recording. We were, we were quoting lines <laughs> at each other. Um, so there's, there's stupid little lines, and particularly with the Scottish accent as far as making it even oh. um, even more humorous yeah um but yeah so there's a number of the skits in a way kind of thing where you can break it up into little bits with yeah. the, the interactions of the teachers with um with the kids or with each other and the way that the you know 
the, the scene with um, when he's talking to his best friend and um, he's explaining that he's in love with yep. somebody on the with somebody on the football team and his best mate's saying, "Well, I think it might be just a phase you're going through. Don't worry." And then he actually <laughs> has to explain that it's um it's a girl. Um, yeah, so it sounds like indigestion. I think. Yeah, consistent. that's it. Yeah, <laughs> and um, you know, there, there's there's a lot of things in there that uh, you know the. Again, with his best friend, when he's sat there on the sofa, and his best friend's complaining about the fact that he, you know, he cooks for him and he just doesn't appreciate it and all this kind of <laughs> stuff. It's like a husband and wife yeah. um, situation, and you've got randomness in there as well. There's this random penguin walking I'm around. Glad and, you uh, mentioned the penguin because and, and so there's lots of there's lots of bits to mention in it and humour, but it it does have that undercurrent of actually showing what life was like at the time the social mores as well yeah. of the reaction the um sort of how um the teachers are interacting with the kids um and as you say how how the kids at that age because i don't know for me it feels like it was a t- it was a bit of a point at which kids at that age started to behave differently towards um, adults in a way they've yeah. been you know their their own parents had come through as had been teenagers themselves rather than the sort of the previous generation and I think that changed the way that kids were able to to react as young adults with with um their own parents and teachers and things and it shows this in this film there's a lot of la- you know layers in that sense to it although in essence it's just a a, a gentle comedy of of a of an awkward, <laughs> awkward teen boy um, that yeah. really doesn't realise things that are under his nose. But I did remember it, to be honest. Has been a, there's been a bit more, a bit more of the chasing of um, Dorothy, yeah. and, and a bit more of the sort of uh, him trying to win her over. And I think in the the sense of your your John Hughes type films, where there's outcome, the denouement yep. of of things is is that he finally realizes which is the right girl for him after spending the majority of the film chasing somebody else mm. it's it's not as as weighted this film in that direction as i as i remembered it to be yeah, I and i that. think it's mm. better i think it's better for it yeah and it's it's interesting to see the the, the teenagers acting awkwardly <laughs> and how much of that is that they were just awkward anyway and how much of it were was that they were actually acting awkward is is a you know up for discussion i suppose but yeah. It's very interesting to just see that snapshot of, of what was, you know, you can testify that this is what it was like. It, it was true. Did you did you first see this as a teenager or did you see it as an adult? Because you're that little bit younger than me. So when this came yeah, out, you weren't I, quite in your yeah. teen years, were you? I, I saw it just when I was getting to, the, I don't know, I think I was about 12 or so. So it was about six years or so after it yeah. actually came out. So it was just, as you say, it was seeing it and going... Oh, is this what's to come? Yeah, as far as um, in life, <laughs> as, far, as far as you know, this is what you know what it's about with girls and and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, pretty um, much. Which, yeah. in some ways, is frightening and in some ways intriguing. But I, I enjoyed it then, and I've I've revisited it a few times since. I don't think I've seen it for now for several years at least. Yeah. Um, Maybe maybe even ten years wow, for no particular okay. reason. Then, as we've said, you know, you get caught up in watching new things and don't mm. always get back to the, to the, the favourites. But this, is, I would say, is a favourite. I was going to um, say did, when you went back to it after ten years. I mean, I went back to it after about five. We reviewed it on the Stinking Paws podcast about five years ago. I just watched it. 
not on a different level, not through that, you know, we say about watching movies through critical eyes now and things like that. I just watched it and enjoyed it. And I, I think I enjoyed it in a slightly different way as an adult now. Looking back, I mean, there was I was laughing at myself because I was picturing myself in those situations as an adult. I mean, for example, this is a typical thing that I'd, I'd completely forgotten about until I watched this movie last night. The bit where... He's going out on the date, and he asked to borrow his best mate's jacket. A white jacket? Yeah. Because that was the thing. Right. Now, that's a thing. That happened because I had a jacket, right? And my mates used to borrow mine. And my brother had a jacket. So if we were going out together, me and my mates or whatever, and we needed to wear the jacket, I would wear mine, and he would borrow my brother's. Or, you know, I'd let mine on. And yeah. you look back at it now, and people laugh. You know, and it does look so out of place anyway. It's a white, double-breasted you know, jacket, but back then, he was, you know, cock of the walk wearing that, you know, silly little things, I mean, you said about the, quite surreal, some of the funny things are just completely off the wall, like the penguin that's lost, walking about, it's a, yeah. it's a guy in a penguin suit, you don't know what it's there for, and the teachers go, room four, and directing him off wherever he may go, right, another, yeah. and then, then hmm. he get, then like, uh, you know, uh, shortly later, they're, they're reaching room four and the teacher turns around in the <laughs> corridor just before they're about to go in and says, no, room 63. You know. <laughs> he just shuffles <laughs> off. off yeah, he goes. Um, the first yeah. time you see him, he just walks past past the door of a, a, a classroom randomly, you know, and you're like, did I just see some, like, someone in a penguin suit just walk by? Also quite surreal, or I don't know, it just, it just made me chuckle. There's a scene in the gents' toilet, in the boys' toilet, and each of the cubicles are taken up with either the kid selling photos of Dorothy or his best mate Steve selling some of the food products he'd been cooking in home economics yeah, from, or whatever. From, yeah, from off, off the top of the toilet system, yeah. which is a bit... <laughs> There's this black market business going on in school grounds, you know. It just made me chuckle. Things like that. And i tell you what it also reminded me of those sort of situations because as you said the focus really isn't about in pursuing Dorothy there's it's just the whole interaction between him the teachers his classmates all that Kez is it's so much like Kez in that regard even down to the football the famous Brian Glover scene in Kez it's not to that degree it's nowhere near as you know classically funny as, as the famous Kez football scene but I just got that vibe, that general sort of vibe of Kez and the interaction and the, and the slightly bonkers teacher played wonderfully by Chick Murray, the headmaster. Yeah, and, you know, get away, you you you, you wee boys. <laughs> you thought um, you playing the piano randomly. Playing the <laughs> piano, yeah. Um, which apparently, apparently was just put in um, because he got caught entertaining people between takes on mm. the piano and, and they went, oh, well, put that. Put that, in. put that in. Chick Murray, so, famous yeah. Scottish um, comedian. He's one of Billy Connolly's big influences. Billy Connolly loves him. Took a lot of his sort of stand-up style from Chick Murray, that very, very laid-back he was. You know, he used to recount true-life stories in a dry, almost surreal way as well. He fits in perfectly for this. It's just random. Let's talk about the teachers, OK? Not necessarily the football <laughs> teacher, but the, yeah. but the two others that we seem to focus on. How did that sit with you? Because the conversation was a little bit, ooh, hello. Well, um, for a start off, one of them's a second appearance um, for, the, for the Hall of Fame anyway, but that's okay. the only one. It's the only, only repeat offender, I yeah. say, um, but, but, on, on this is um, Alex Norton. What was he in um, before that? He was, he was, 
previously he was um, in Little Voice. He was Bunny Murray. You know, when he, phone, when he phones through to London and he's talking oh, to Bunny. Right. Yeah. And um, there's the guy sat in the um, the office that overlooks Trafalgar Square. Yeah. It's, um, it's it's Bunny Murray. Oh, there you go. Because um, I looked at him and thought, I've seen him in something before, mm. and I'm sure it's something we've reviewed, and I had to go look at him. Oh yeah, of course. But um, but yes, their interaction and and talking about one of the one of the girls, school girls, being interested in one of the teachers, and, yeah. and their their comments about that, and that's a little bit uncomfortable, which is showing a bit of a different attitude to what we'd uh, accept nowadays as far as um, teachers and their <laughs> view of the pupils. I, I think. Um, don't be won't be as easy these days for um, quite rightly so um, for a teacher to feel so free about making yeah. slightly some, somewhat lascivious comments about uh, you know one of the pupils in their charge. But even the comments they made about Gregory as he's just you know ambling over the playing fields you know obviously very late for school without a care in the world and they're just chucking away saying here he comes again you know. This strange boy. <laughs> and he's, yeah, and he's, he's zigzagging to try and pretend he's not late. To try and pretend, he's, tr- he's trying to pretend he's walking from one part of the school to another. Mm. So, he, so he keeps changing direction and, and, and making it that he's, he's sort of walking between two sets of buildings, but in actual fact he's zigzagging his way across this great expanse of school in order to try and arrive late. And, and it's amazing, there's a couple of times he arrives late at class and there doesn't seem to be any... No, no, come back. About or anything. It. It's just yeah. to tell him to sit down, and that's the end of it. It's, it's Gregory, bit, isn't it? I think they're yeah, just. It's, it's a bit odd, yeah. <laughs> even strange habit. He came out of the shower after the football match, and he's put his shirt on, and he's putting deodorant on. On top the of sh- the shirt. On top yeah. of the shirt. It just, you know, it's things like that that sets this movie aside from any other comedy. Although, although was that because he'd, he was interacting with the teacher at that point, mm. and, and the, the teacher was delivering bad news and he was trying to be nonchalant about the fact that he was getting chucked off the team yeah and I, was it just that he was Distracted. trying to trying to trying to pretend he wasn't bothered by carrying on with a normal task but didn't realize he'd forgotten <laughs> it already put the shirt on i don't i, I didn't know how to read that one but oh, it's, just it's, the, these, mm-hmm. it's these little little nuances that are in there that you, you know that make you feel affection for this film i think because you know it's it's, it's just there's some surreal bits in there, like when uh, um, Dorothy and the football teacher are talking about some way of stopping the ball, and they end up in, you know, doing a. It translates into them doing a dance. You know, he just that teacher, he just walks into the, you know, goes into the girls' changing rooms, and closes the door behind him. Yes. Which, which again, you wouldn't have these days. You'd be like, <laughs> if he did go in there, he'd have the door wedged open so he could see there was not, you know. Yeah. Um, yes, the whole interaction. With, with everybody between each other to be honest in this film is what makes it a great film it's every little nuance of each individual interaction with each other even to the extent of the you know the his mate that wants to decides he wants to go to caracas because of the because <laughs> <laughs> of the the, the um the ratio the, isn't it the ratio ratio of females to men and he's got his mate with a massive gap tooth that yes. um, you know you could you could drive a lorry of cornflakes through through that gap in his teeth, <laughs> who who is almost like um, Jay and Silent Bob sort of Bob type character. Yeah, does speak towards the he end, doesn't, doesn't he? Doesn't yeah. speak doesn't speak until at the end after mm. he's let his, let his mate stand there for four hours trying to get to Caracas by spelling <laughs> it wrongly, um, as if they're going to get to Caracas. Yeah, anyway, they're going to get to Caracas anyway. Yeah, on a cornflake lorry, but. <laughs> 
there's these background bits going on and, and it's not vital to the plot, any no. of these things going on, but it actually all um, fleshes out what is the reality of, of the situation and, and what, what was going on around Gregory and why he was so awkward because everybody else was awkward as well. Very. I mean, the tone is set immediately on that opening scene where, yes. they're, where they're ogling the nurse through the window and straight away you know the relationship between these well i think it's four of them at the beginning isn't there i think but they um and we gradually meet more you know the, the kid that's doing the photography in the dark room who's got we find out later he's got like an, an assistant who's like a little miniature version of him yeah <laughs> well i was I, I was going i was thinking did them two grow up to be the clims <laughs> Because that ginger kid with glasses. Yeah, can you imagine it? He's like this little, little replica of him, tailing him, you know, following him around. And and the interaction there, you know, the one elephant, two elephant. You have to put an elephant in, you know, otherwise it doesn't work. It's, uh, it's not cinematically, you know, a blinding movie from that sense that you know the scenery, the photography, whatever. The highlight of this movie is the script and the acting. Teenage kids acting like teenage kids and there's no bad performances there's none of these even you know some of the younger ones you don't think oh that's a really bad actor there's nothing like that in this movie at all to be fair to be fair some of the younger ones were the better ones True. um you know his, his younger sister and yes. things. but it's, it's amazing looking through the list of the people in this film um how many of them this was the only film they were in there was, um, yeah. shows they must must have been like they sometimes had you know they had with Kez and other things um, where they just draw people from the school that they're happening to be um, filming in and get, get them to have bit parts or whatever yeah. um, because it's easier that way it's more authentic and it worked it was authentic in this you completely believe that these were the the, the awkward youths <laughs> um, in this um, Scottish new town that populated the, the world around Gregory yeah I think I read somewhere that Bill Forsyth had used a couple of them in the previous movie, which was called That Sinking Feeling, which I haven't seen. Um, and they, in turn, were drawn from some Scottish youth drama club or something. But as you say, none of them really went on. Dee Hepburn, I think, went on to appear in Crossroads, if I remember rightly, because she suddenly appeared as an adult sort of 10 years later in, in like The Soap. John Gordon Sinclair obviously did have a fairly successful career. Claire Grogan famously um, altered images. She went on to a singing career. Yeah, she did. And the only other really famous face, apart from the guy you mentioned that's now had two appearances on the show, is Chick Murray. There's no stars in this. They're a complete cast of unknowns. And as you say, it works. It absolutely works. I think it makes it more believable because we're not looking... At the movie and saying, oh, that's him and he was in such and such or, you know, Sean Connery playing a headmaster, for God's sake, or whatever, you know, I'm just trying to random Scottish actor there. We're not distracted by the fact that we've seen them in something else. So it makes yeah. it more believable. Yeah. And if they did go on to something else, there would be at least one episode of Taggart, I imagine. Ah, um, yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> They all appeared in Taggart at some More point. than likely, um, yeah. Apart from, apart from David Tennant, apparently, he's the only Scottish actor never to appear on... on um, on Taggart. The only Scottish um, actor ever. Yeah. But um yeah. Oh, but there, oh there is there is a, a Doctor Who link in this. Let me think. Um can't think off the top of my head. No, go on. The fish and chip shop. Yeah. Capaldi's. 
Oh, I didn't notice. Did it say Capaldi's? Was that the name of the shop? It's, was called, it? it's called Capaldi's, <laughs> and it is actually owned by a relative of Peter Capaldi. Well, they, we, we don't try to deliberately link Doctor Who, but no, it, no, but, but it, it does happen, doesn't um, it? <laughs> so, um, but yes, you know, it's um, amazing how many of these people just were, were there in the film authentically, mm. rather than rather than it being. Um, shoehorned in famous faces or people who are, who are actors as such. Yeah. It's just people, people been there doing who they are, yeah. really. Very low budget, £200,000, I think it was. Um, it didn't need a big budget, this movie at all, obviously. And do you know what? The returns for this must have been staggering because it was a massive hit around the world. It won, I think it won Best Screenplay at the BAFTAs. And I think... Dorothy D, whatever her name was, she won Best Newcomer at the Variety Club Awards or something that year. But it's generally recognised as a classic British movie. I mean, a clip from Gregory's Girl was used at the 2012 Olympics opening ceremony, you know, just to highlight some of the British movies. I think there's a lot of things like the Italian jobs in there and stuff like that. And it is quite iconic. This is a good few years before Bend It Like Beckham, which again, for some reason, sort of, you know, hit a note with a lot of people around the world. And it sits right smack dab at the beginning, almost, of that golden age of British cinema that we mention quite often on the show, which was the very late 70s going into the early 80s of the handmade films, the Film 4 productions. There is this marvellous little run of British movies that deserve to be spoken about and were very successful, particularly in America. And top of the tree pretty much is Gregory's Girl sitting there as I say number 30 in the BFI's all time top 100 British movies it is um, astounding that the place this has within British cinema when you know when people haven't seen it they don't realise that where it is coming from and Mm. it's like you say there's the place it has at the beginning of that um, that British film revival yeah there's also you know it, it is it is iconic and it may so, not yeah. it may not be you know the the best made film you know budgetary restrictions and just because it wasn't about the scenery it was about the the interactions and you know you can understand why this has been done as a as a, a stage play and mm. things because it's you know the interactions are the key part of it mm. but it it just has a warmth to it that and, and, a, and a Britishness to it yes. Britishness to it yeah. which. You know, you you couldn't translate even if you translated it into English from Scottish. You couldn't um, translate <laughs> it to to um, other parts of the English speaking world. And I don't think really it's difficult in some respects actually to translate it to elsewhere within the United Kingdom. I think yeah. you know it was very much um, a Scottish film and and shows Scottish life as being something that deserves its own attention. Um, and obviously they have their own identity, and quite rightly so. Yeah. But this this film just shines a light on on what British film can be. It's really. what Bill Forsyth does really well, yeah. isn't it? You know, all of his movies, Comfort and Joy. You know, Local Hero. Obviously, the man is immensely proud of his roots, and every single film that he's done, I'm sure, is set in or around Scotland. And, and you know, Scottish characters are the focal point, and. The script is just incredible. It's it's funny. It's the word charming. I think is used a lot for this movie, and that's what it is. It's just a charming, inoffensive movie that 
I'll tell you what cracks me up as well. When the copy I saw, and you probably saw the same copy online, did you get the British Board of Film Censors as it was then? Logo come up at the beginning where it was like rated A. Yes. It was an A certificate, wasn't it? Which back then, did you have to be accompanied by an adult? Because double A, you had to be 14. And it Um, was you, wasn't it? It wasn't PG back then. I'm sure A, you had to be accompanied by an adult. That was the only criteria, wasn't it? And I just chuckled when I saw that because literally two seconds after that, you see a naked pair of boobs. But it's not. It's, sorry, I'm just chuckling at that first scene because that just makes me laugh. It's, like, it's a brazia. It's a brazia. <laughs> As if brazia, yeah. <laughs> but then and, it's the comment. Yeah, the young lads are uh, saying, you know, about after all the fuss, they come, they come <laughs> around and say, all oh, that just for a bit of tit. And then somebody says, <laughs> and then one, the other one says something about um, a knickers. Yeah. And suddenly he's like interested again. You know, don't think it's so trivial then. <laughs> it's silly little things like that. I mean, I love it. I'm, I'm glad I've watched it again with a decent break. I mean, you, you've got an even bigger break between watching it 10 years. I mean, were you still laughing at the same things and different things this time round? Yeah, it's difficult to remember what I was laughing at last time, but yeah. I think I think in all honesty, I think that when I um, watched it two nights ago, I think I enjoyed it more than I ever have before. Yes, yeah, that's fair to say for me as well. I think, as I say, I wasn't watching it critically. I just thought, no, I'm going to watch a film that I know that I love, and I laughed more. Things that made me laugh previously, I think I was laughing more at them, like the surrealness of the penguin or. Just the awkwardness of, of John Gordon Sinclair himself. He does that so bloody well, you know. Even silly little things like where he's blow-drying his hair and, you know, and the sister's there giving him advice and trying to, you know, the sister must be about 10, must be all of 10, you know. She's, like, yeah. giving him advice on his love life. And it's fascinating, isn't it, because the interaction with the teachers and the adults are completely different to the interactions that the kids have together. Um, and, and I just chuckled at his father, you know, saying, um, I hear you you had an interaction with your mother on the staircase yesterday or something like that. And, he's, and he says, please call me father, not not go- whatever his name is, because he calls him by his first name. Yeah. <laughs> at least acknowledge that I'm your parent or something. <laughs> great, well, great movie. It, it is. And like you say, that there's the, the interactions with the adults and the interactions with the kids between themselves. And then just the generalness of the, the school environment. There's a certain aspect of, of it that it's, it's not a harsh school environment like is portrayed within Kez and things. Mm, yeah. And of, often often dramas that are set within school, there's usually some antagonism with, there's a, there's a some teacher that's out to get them or, or all these kind of <laughs> things. They don't, they don't bother with that in this. They don't, need, they don't feel the need to do that. No. You know, they can pass off that there's, there's character to the teachers, but without actually focusing on them, and it's about the kids themselves that's the actual focus, and that's the the, the beauty of this film, really, that it concentrates you on what well, is a snapshot of of sort of three days in, in the life of a gangly Scottish young lad. You know, that's uh, that's it doesn't overblow itself. It doesn't try to do too much. It's just simple and straightforward and as you say charming yeah does say that's the word i think that was banded about pretty much on the posters and on the reviews really positive reviews all around i don't think i've seen any sort of negative reaction to this movie anywhere online and even as i say the comments that 
people were throwing on the Facebook group, you know, so looking forward to our review. But a lot of them said, must go and watch that again because I'd forgotten how much I enjoyed it previously. And it is certainly, for a movie that's nearly 40 years old, for God's sake, nearly 40 years old, it, it, it's a nice little shot, snapshot of the 80s. It's great from that early 80s point of view. But it hasn't aged. It was the humour was still funny because I'm pretty sure that teenagers today are still going through that same angst and those same problems and those same fears and that same pursuit of first love that we were back in the eighties and these kids are back in nineteen eighty, eighty one. And it just hasn't dated the movie at all, from what I can tell. Absolutely they are. From um, the teenagers in my life, yes, they are going through um, <laughs> the same. For exactly, for exactly <laughs> yeah. the same. Yeah. Um, the only difference is now there's the element of social media in there, which is just yeah. again, you know, causing all sorts of complications. But um, you don't have to go to a payphone now. Um, <laughs> That's true. Yeah, and you'd be uh, going to McDonald's rather than the chip shop. That's the other thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you'd be hard pressed to find a wimpy nowadays. That's true. Um, <laughs> that's what it is. You know, and. and arranging to meet underneath the clock, uh, the yeah. town clock and things like that. It is just a snapshot of, of charming teenage life. And I think the reason why I enjoyed it more now than I did previously, not that I didn't enjoy it previously, I did, but I think it's, it's not just nostalgia, but I can see it from both sides now. I can see what it's like being a kid, a teenage kid that's awkward. And also I can see what it's like from being an adult that's awkward so um Mm. you know the both sides hit home therefore and uh, so watching it and the lines that that in the the script there just are things that you can take away and just have a little (laughs) chuck little chuck it's not a big belly last but it's just like little chuckles all the way through oh i'm just gonna sit here and watch the trucks go by you know, it's, yeah. it's just the, the line about there's 12, was it 12 million tonnes of cornflakes pass under this bridge every day? It's a well-known fact, though. Yeah, it's a well-known yeah. fact. <laughs> yeah, all these things that he's telling people, which are well-known facts, but nobody <laughs> nobody knows them, so they're not obviously that well-known. No. But yeah, he's... Um, the Caracas, he's, obviously, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and the speed of a sneeze. and uh, But then it, that gets tied in, in the plot, when, you know, when... He's on the date and they, you know, he's talking about the spinning of the earth at a thousand miles an hour. Yes. And when some people hear that, they get a bit wobbly and almost fall off. But I can see you've got the hang of it. And they end up <laughs> laying on their backs and, and dancing, dancing, dancing <laughs> laid down, um, which, you know, apparently helps you stop falling off the earth and things. And it's just charm of it is in the details like that. Yeah. Which don't make a massive difference on their own, even though they're, they're humorous to quote. But put all together, it's, yes. it's just greater than some of its parts. But it's just enjoyable all the way through, really. Very um, clever script writing, that's what it it's, boils it down to. Yeah, I was going to rate this on Letterbox four stars out of five, but it would be like a heavy four. But thinking back, this is a five-star movie through and through for me. There's nothing I can fault in this at all from the performances and the script, as I've said. For yourself, your rating system, I mean, it's not cinematic, is it? But how would you sort of, like, recommend people see this, mate? Well, it's not one that you have to see in the cinema. No. I think if I, if I end up going to see it in a, a, a big screening, it would be one where there was more audience participation almost. It, mm. It's bought, it's not quite like Rocky Horror or whatever, but it's, it's bordering on that that people 
sort of have that affection and know it so well. Yes. But um, I would say that I find it hard to understand anybody who wouldn't enjoy this film in some way. So they should make a point of going out there where whoever they are to, to see this. Um, because whether it's on a, screen, uh, a streaming service or DVD or it happens to be on television or whatever, make a point of, of giving it what is what's an, an hour and an hour and a half at the most. Literally, most? yeah, pretty much, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's very brief. Um, doesn't outstate its welcome, as we say. Yeah. But it's very brief in that sense, but it just is enjoyable all the way through. doesn't lose and the pace, does it? There's no padding in this at all. Absolutely, and and you, I can't understand somebody not been, not enjoying this because there's no, it's inoffensive, and ch- as we keep saying, charming, yeah. and um, it just sits well. And without without this in your life, I think you're missing out. Yeah, it's a worthy inclusion. Certainly deserves that. You know, position number thirty in the BFI's top one hundred. If anything, it should be a little bit higher, but. Yeah, it's it's that great sort of second second wave of British movies, as we say, the late seventies, the early eighties, that threw up a few real golden gems like this. And yeah, it'd be great. I mean, I think kids today would probably take something away from this as well. I don't, I can't see anybody not liking it, as you say. Should we take a short break and have a little chat about what we're going to watch next time, sir? Yes, please. Okay, see you in a second. <laughs> Okay, Stephen, next time is my choice. And what I've decided to do is to continue with our look at the movies that influenced the British New Wave cinema. Angry Young Man films, Kitchen Sink. So we're going to hit 1951. You're you're aware of this because I've already sort of pre-warned you of the the movies that I'm going to cover in the run-up to the Angry Young Man series. And what I've chosen is... It's directed by Basil Dearden who already is in the Hall of Fame, I think with probably about four appearances. Yeah. And he will appear in many, many more over the following weeks. It's an unsung hero of the British New Wave. We recently mentioned this man, Bona Colliano, in A Matter of Life and Death. Yes. He is the the star of this. It's Paul of London from 1951. Now... As curator of the Hall of Fame, I think you've got your work cut out because you're going to have to add or keep a lookout for some of these, mate, because it's also got James Robertson Justice, Alfie Bass, Leslie Phillips, Moira Lister. I think it's the first appearance for Earl Cameron, who, still going strong, God bless him, I think he's 102 years old. Um, He's going to be appearing in the next few movies, like Sapphire, which will be coming up very soon. Um, I'll give you a brief storyline. It's a crime melodrama about two sailors in London, an American open to theft and smuggling, and an honest Jamaican, and the crooks and the girls that they know. A dual theft goes wrong, and those involved must decide whether to try and get away or do the right thing. Superb photography of post-war central London when almost empty of people on a Sunday. It's it's a great movie. I saw it many, many years ago. I bought this marvellous Blu-ray copy a few weeks ago, especially for the podcast. I mean, you haven't heard of it apart from just in sort of reference to what we're doing with the British New Wave stuff, have you? No, I've not seen it, and I don't really think I was properly aware of it either. 
so this is gonna you know this is gonna be uh, an education for me with yeah this one. it's it's not part of the british new wave but as i say it's it's the run-up we've got a couple more movies before we hit room at the top and l-shaped room and this sporting life you know the, the famous ones but as with it always rains on sunday i think this needs to be included because it's basil dearden and the influences are going to be there you're going to see how we get to the kitchen sink dramas through this there's a lot to talk about here mate so i'm looking forward to chatting to you about that that's it from us mate thank you for being there today no i've enjoyed it and obviously this was um a, a bit of a, a lighter um themes and and uh, feeling to a film compared to what we might be dipping into next time uh, over next time <laughs> but both have their place in british cinema and i'm glad that we got to enjoy um the, this gem of gregory's girl oh, it's, um, yeah it's a fantastic movie if you haven't seen it and i don't think there's many out there that haven't that listen to the show do yourself a favor it'll it'll give you a chuckle on a sunday afternoon you'll just be uh, amazed yeah. and if you if you haven't seen it for for a while, like you know, like me, ten years, so yeah. revisit it because yeah. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised about you know how, how good it is, how it stands up, stands up still. Yeah, yeah, fantastic movie. Thanks for bringing that today. I'm off on holiday this week, so I'm going to go and start packing my bags while watching Carry On Abroad. I think so. I'll see you in about two weeks' time, mate. But hopefully, okay. we've got a, such a backlog of episodes that people won't even notice I'm gone. <laughs> they won't no they won't notice okay cheers yes. mate see you soon take care bye bye positive shah bon voyage good luck thank you British hand up, sir. Ha ha ha!